Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Noah Baker with Voices of Construction. I guess good morning, good afternoon, or whatever time you're sitting in the car listening to this or something of that nature. Um, it's been a while since I've been on, so happy to be back. I know we had a, a guest host on our last episode, uh, but we have a great one for you this week. We actually have Dan Fiche, who is a, a lean proponent and, and has worked his entire life to limit waste in the construction industry, as, as well as be a restaurateur, a uh, prison guard, uh, security officer, and, and things of that nature. But been in construction for 46 years, been in been in the lean environment as a lean coach for for something like 14. This this conversation went really, really well just to, to pick such an expert's brain on where the industry is going, how we can how we can convert more people to limit waste and how that could affect the world as a whole if we all really take that initiative and, and make a change. Really interesting stuff. Super exciting guy to talk to. Um, I'm happy to be back, and I, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Again, this is Dan Fiche with Voices of Construction. See you out there. Dan, thank you for, for jumping on. It's it's great to have you um, on Voices of Construction today. Great to see you again. My pleasure. He's a happy no. gentleman all the time. Well, it's, <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting Awesome. Awesome. So why don't we do this? I, I think, you know, with with my intro and everything that everyone's heard about you already that that is recorded, um, it's great, but it's it's important for people to hear about your your story, your your life story and, and how you got into the industry from from you. Um, so let's go ahead and, and give you a chance to to kind of start all the way from where you want to begin to where where we are now with CA and things like that. Sure, happy to do it. I, uh, although I, I, I'm, there are much more interesting topics than talking about me, but I'll I'll indulge you for a couple of minutes. Um, 46 years in construction, uh, 14 in uh, years as a lean coach. Um, I, that means I'm probably older than uh, 25. <laughs> um, I actually uh, didn't uh, at the age of five. Uh, there was a little book my mom gave me that that had all the different occupations in it. And there was a little five-year-old kid who was kind of becoming one of these. He would play it doing this and that. And my favorite page was uh, was making, uh, you know, carpentry, was was making boxes uh, that the little kid was doing for to play with. Uh, and, and fast forward, my first non-farm job, I grew up on a farm. Uh, my first non-farm job was in construction at age 16. Um, uh, but then I went through a bunch of careers. Uh, I was a minister for five years. I was uh, a prison counselor and guard uh, for seven years. Uh, I was in the restaurant business and, and developing restaurants for a number of years. So I, I kind of found my way along life as it does and uh, and got involved. Uh, the thing most attracted me about development was construction. And so I, f- I found my way into construction uh, and, uh, and took to it quickly and, uh, and, and began being in charge of, of, of project things. Uh, I would really have benefited from a formal education in construction. Uh, that would have been great. Didn't do that. Uh, you, you, you deal the, you know, you play the, the hand you're dealt. Uh, but I got pretty good at it. I became a project manager. Um, I, I say I got good at it. I was re- a really good, well-disciplined project manager of waste. And therein lies the problem. 
my evaluation of my skills and others' evaluation of my skills were, hey, you keep great records, you're really good with people, uh, you run great meetings, uh, but we had no concept at the time, this was in the 80s and the 90s, of how wasteful we were being. And it wasn't until I bumped into Greg Howell and Glenn Ballard and Kristen Hill and and Dean Reed and all those uh, great names in, in lean design and construction that I realized that most of my life had been serving the great master of waste. Uh, so I, I, when in 2008 and 9, Dick Meyer and I were able to be chosen as facilitators for a what was going to be a $7 billion project in Sacramento to build uh, seven different hospitals for the prison system. Uh, we learned for 19 months full-time, we studied lean design and construction under the masters. Uh, I mean, the people who invented it. Uh, and uh, and it was a crash course and a deep course. It was grad school, baby. Um, and uh, so that's that's how I became who I am. Very cool. Um, and and I would I would warn you from saying your your life isn't interesting. You kind of you just flew right by the fact that you've developed restaurants, been a restaurateur, a prison guard, <laughs> and, and and all of that. I believe in in our society that would be deemed as a a very interesting human being, yeah. um, but. <laughs> And they were barbecue restaurants too. Wood wood uh, chip barbecue, you know, wood fired barbecue. So it was pretty good nice. stuff. But uh, it was the late '80s, and the times were tough. So yeah. So we'll we'll go against my my individualized want to just talk about uh, fresh barbecue this entire hour and a half or hour. Um, but so there there was some, there were a couple of things that. Um, have been really interesting to me. And, and actually we kind of exchanged notes before this and, and I was looking through them. One of the biggest um, points I, I kind of want to cover is, we, you know, our, our listeners know lean construction or know somewhat of lean construction and, yeah. and definitely know of, of technology platforms and the technology stack that is available to PMs and superintendents out there that yeah. is vast and very complicated. Um, for my own curiosity, uh, and and I'll give you a little backstory, is I came into construction sales and construction technology with very little background in construction. My grandfather um, owned a large uh, HVAC subcontracting company. It, it was around in my life, but never on a personal level was I really mm -hmm. in it. And and one of the biggest things besides realizing that my preconceived notions of what a construction professional was and and how they would interact was absolutely wrong. And that's part of this podcast. But yeah. also coming from a, a startup culture where we really look at process and they look at work-life balance and it's very important for the culture of a company to look at yeah. um, limiting waste. So you could imagine me coming into, you know, a, an area where I look at you know, even even analog sticky notes and kind of say like, oh, my God, they built that seven billion dollar project with yeah. this this kind of antiquated old school system, yeah. you know, and, and working in, in technology. But moreover, seeing the the benefits of, of lean construction, seeing the benefits of of you know, PPC, continuous learning, seeing, tracking variance reason, optimizing your time, learning how to put out fires and, and proactively scheduling in the short term. 
over mm -hmm. uh, reactive scheduling. And one of my biggest thoughts is how is this not more prevalent, right? One of my yeah. first thoughts was everyone agrees that this is the better way to do things for the most part, or they see yeah. the benefits. So yeah. where are we and, and why aren't we kind of going full force at this? It's a great question. And, and it's one that lots of us ponder lots of time and and discuss a lot. I have I have some theories. I have some ideas. Um, it, the interesting thing to underscore your point: Lean Construction Institute's been around since the late '90s. Uh, it started out with just a few companies in it, and it's grown to I don't know two three hundred. Uh, and do you realize you may or may not that the membership, the corporate membership of Lean Construction Institute is responsible for 29% of all the construction, non-single non housing construction that is put in place in the United States. Uh, and similar amounts in other countries as well, but in, in other LCIs. But Lean Construction Institute in the US, 29% of all construction is put in place by companies that belong to LCI. But 29% of all construction is not lean construction. And therein lies the, the baffling problem. Uh, is that some, while some of those companies, especially the ones that have been around for a while um, in in lean, uh, do it thoroughly up and down uh, the company vertically and horizontally, uh, there are a whole lot of folks that do it in spots. They do it for a big project or they do it for if that superintendent is on because he or she knows the system or something like that or because the owner asked for it. Um, and why is that? So back to your question. I have a few theories. You know, I have time to think. Uh, first of all, there, there, there's a couple of, of physics theories involved here, natural theories. The theory of entropy. Uh, everything in nature tends to flow from order to disorder. And it requires rework, focused energy to reachieve the order that you're in. So you start out a project and things are orderly. You know, you have a P6 schedule or something, a Microsoft project schedule. And you, you put all those little boxes and, and bars and lines in a row, and it's easy to do. I've done it in you know a day if I had to I plan a whole project in a day. Um, I used to teach CPM scheduling around the country in 53 cities. Uh, and, and so I, I understand that system. But I also know that the moment you finish it, <laughs> it is out of date. And it is for that moment forward, backward looking. It is a rear view mirror forever. And it, it, entropy is a big deal in CPM schedule because nature tends to flow from order to disorder and our lives do as well. There's another natural force, very powerful natural force in the universe, and that's inertia. Uh, there is a tendency to do nothing different. That's inertia. <laughs> I'm going to sit on my couch and right. do nothing but watch TV. I'm going to go to work and do nothing but what I did yesterday and the day before that because it worked for me and I got paid. Uh, I have a schedule and uh, I'm the I'm the superintendent, the project manager. I have a schedule and I'm telling a trade contractor, I don't want to hear your ideas. I just want you to, here's your line right here. Here's your bar. You start then and you finish then. Just do your piece and follow it and you and I will be just fine. That is an inertia for uh, impacted uh, conversation. 15-minute uh, daily huddles, why do, why do I need that? I just, just do your piece. And in lean design instruction, we learn that we want to emphasize the whole, not the piece. So, because handoffs become really ragged 
and and flow is Im nearly impossible uh, between one trade and another or one crew and another if the handoffs aren't elegant. And just doing your piece, I had a trade contractor tell me the contractor tell me the other day. Uh, until I got involved with Lean, I was super focused on just what I was doing. I really didn't care what the other trades were doing. I just did my thing. Uh, and then I realized why I was having so much trouble doing my thing, because people in front of me and behind me were doing their thing, too. And we weren't really communicating with each other. So that's part of it. It's entropy and inertia. There's another reason. And, and I come from this tradition. So I used to be this guy. And that's firefighting. Firefighting on the part of superintendents and project managers and other project leaders, it's addictive, it's rewarding. Uh, we love to have a horrible problem and then just fly in and fix it and hooray for you, you, you solved our, you put out the fire. Uh, and, and people get rewarded, literally, financially rewarded for being that person. Uh, and, and that is not lean. That is, that's as you were describing, it's reactive. Uh, and it doesn't prevent anything. Uh, th there, are, there are companies, here's another reason. There are companies that take contractual conflict to the next level. It becomes a business model for them. I know a couple of them. I can name a couple of them, but I won't because I would probably <laughs> in encounter even, uh, even greater pushback. Um, but uh, I worked at Los Angeles Central Library 30 years ago. I, I was a a uh, project manager for a second tier subcontractor, trade a trades trade. Um, and I was working for a general contractor who was one of these warring folks. I won't tell you who, uh, but you could look it up. <laughs> um, and that company was a war profiteer. Uh, they, you know, a waste profiteer at least, and probably a, a construction war profiteer. I made a deal going into, I was, I was the replacement PM because my, the company that I was, uh, going to work for was in trouble and they were being blamed for why the, the whole library was going to be late and they just had a little piece of the shelving. It was, it was insane. Uh, so I made a deal. Uh, they just wanted to pay me a certain amount uh, of salary on a monthly basis to be the full-time project manager on this thing. And I needed a job at the time. So I said, okay, I'll do it. But I want to get a piece of every change order that I can get because I, I figured out what was going on here that this was one of those kind of situations. Uh, and they they'd said, we, we can't get any change. They're changing all this stuff. We can't get any change. I said, tell you what, give me, and they ultimately settle on 30%. Give me 30% of profit of all the change orders that I can generate and get approved and you paid for and supplement my uh, modest, my very modest salary with that. And they said, okay, so we did that. It was the most money I ever made in nine months. I mean, it was a lot of money. It was like how much money I would like to make now <laughs> um, because it was so wasteful. Everything there was wasteful. And the head of the of the whole shebang was at war with the city of Los Angeles on a continuing basis with change orders and RFIs and complaints. And, and it was attack, attack, attack. So I know that there's a game out there and most people don't play it. I think at least most reputable people don't play it. Uh, and but but it is a game. So that's one of the reasons that not everybody does lean, because there's a lot of money in waste. The the construction management industry really is a manager of waste. I used to belong to CMAA. I was I was given an award by CMAA. They're probably going to want to take it back now. 
Um, but the whole idea of adding more people to watch what's going wrong, but not fixing it is, is a problem. And there's some really great construction managers out there. I, I know some, I mean, I've got, I've got friends who are really good CMs uh, working for good companies who, who do the right thing. But there's a whole lot of construction management out there that is just clerk of the works, just write down all the things somebody else is doing bad and uh, and, and and you know we'll we'll we'll, buy, we'll bang them for it, and and then yeah. there's, there's just a group of people out there who don't care, not willing to put out the effort. So those are my reasons why not everybody does this stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think you know multiple times um, on this podcast and and in the business of selling a software, where a typical fear of technology is that it's going to replace your professional equity and, and who right. you are and and mentioning I just kind of you know in my opinion there is a generational struggle to where mm-hmm. your your worth as an employee has not been converted to mimic a responsible process even yeah. though you're being asked to do that process mm-hmm. and therefore you hold on to that to to prove yourself and yeah. why you should get paid every month right so yeah. the idea of firefighting also in in my head and tell me if you see this is well my worth is that I know how to fix all these problems and as as a senior superintendent I can do this mentally. So why why do I need I'm so good at my job. Why do I need the the contribution of others when it's really my responsibility for for me to get paid at the end of the month to be able to do that. Yeah. And that kind of passing the baton is something that we didn't see and and correct me if I'm wrong, it you know 10, 15, 20 years ago where yeah we're trying to change the process, but not how people are evaluated in yeah. their position. And I would just love to hear kind of your opinion on that. And- well, we, we come, we come from a long history of Pete Felance was a really great, uh, uh, construction guy, uh, in, uh, in San Diego. He and his family founded, uh, started made, made possible, the uh, construction industry management program at San Diego State University that great folks like Tay Salvas and others uh, are working at. Uh, Colin Milberg used to be a professor there. Uh, great program. And Pete said, our industry has got to change. This is this is 30 years ago. Our industry has got to change because we come from a history of ignorance and brute force. And And if you think about it, that's kind of what you know, old old school construction was was ignorance and brute force and a whole lot of yelling at people and and all that stuff. And it's not that anymore. I mean, you some a little bit, but that most of that's going away because people are retiring or dying or getting tired of being that person. But uh, the the younger generations, uh, the millennials and Gen Zs, uh, do not want to. Uh, they don't want a hostile work environment. Uh, so they want and and they're. They're really savvy, and, and as you're describing yourself, they're they're uh, they're interested in the digital way of doing something easier and, and eliminating waste and and having better processes. And so th- there's that hunger for that uh, at the in the incoming and the early parts, uh, the the younger parts of our industry. Uh, and so the the bargain has to be that an old uh, superintendent or an old PM who's old like me, uh, I'm talking about. 
uh, who's who's got the the experience and the knowledge and the skills and and has kind of seen the the battles and what works and doesn't work in many many ways, but not all of them, needs to pair up with that young folks, those young folks, and they have plenty to teach each other. You show me, I'm the old guy. You show me how I can improve my processes or I can how I can do this last planner scheduling. Uh, and uh, and and have touch plan enable that, or or you show me how I can do this or that, or how I can work with Procore, and, and I will tell you why this thing that you're thinking about doing hasn't worked in three other cases. Maybe we can figure it out. Maybe it'll work this time. Maybe not. But let's talk about that. I'll share my experience. You share your smarts, and and let's both get better. And I think I think there's a great opportunity there, but it's it's happening. We don't have enough people. We've got to get smarter. Uh, and on top of not having enough skilled labor, which is a huge problem, and it's not going away soon. On top of that, 57% of labor is waste. Now, let that number sink in for a minute. Six out of the 10 people that you pay on a construction crew are waste. Not not 100% of them, but across the 10 people, you're losing 57% of your value because of not the people because of the processes and that's why these these intelligent processes whether it's process mapping how things flow or or whether it's process mapping how we're going to plan this project or the next phase or this change or whatever that's why it's so valuable to have better and better processes every day every time we do it we get a little bit better because we're wasting so much. I mean, imagine all that we could build in this country, in this world, if, if we could just improve overall 10, 20%, our money would go so much further. We could build so many more hospitals and schools and, and my God, you know, we're, 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 at some point we're gonna have to rebuild an entire country in Ukraine. Um, the waste, if we could eliminate the waste of doing that, what a wonderful opportunity to rebuild without waste. Uh, there, there, there's some there's some great stuff in our future. Uh, we just got to get smart. No, I mean it's 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 mind blowing at scale when you think about yeah. it. I think a lot of us silo that conversation into a specific hospital, a specific bid that you're you're working on right then. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. we compile all of that, you know, just in let's say one region of the United States, it's billions and billions and billions of dollars, man hours and time. Oh. Um, and, and that kind of actually led into my, my next question, which is really the benefits of a lean environment on a personal level for those involved. Yeah. Meaning I, I think one of the, the highlights that I learned early is the frustrations of a dated command and control type environment yeah. can easily be dusted away if it's, oh, that's how construction works. It's never going to change. That's, it is what it is. But when it affects someone in, on a personal level where they're assigned to be somewhere and therefore they're two hours late for their kid's birthday, right? Yeah. And if they had just done it in a different way. So yeah. I would love to hear if that's a driver in the change in the industry where people are now speaking up when it comes to work-life balance, people are now speaking up when it comes to accountability as it pertains to them in, in, in their life, being able to 
save time, right? Let's just use that example. If I if yeah. I can get out of a poll planning meeting an hour early, it means yeah. I'm having a beer on my de- back deck in in the sunlight. Yeah. When, while my kids play in the yard, and my kids that play in the is yard making my life my better. Spouse right. And I are talking about the future or whatever vacation. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. No, you're right. It is a driver. It's not a driver for everyone. Uh, there are companies who have, and some continue to have, an expectation of their, at least their management, and very often their employees, period, that they will work 60, 70 hours a week. That if you really want to do well and promote in this company, you have to work work your butt off and never see your family. There are some companies that have that expectation. There are fewer of them than there used to be, and there will be fewer in the future than there are now, because younger generations are not accepting as you described and it doesn't work. Do you, one of the problems with construction as a profession has been that you have no family life. You rarely see your spouse and kids. They grow up without you. I know people, I love people who have left the business and made made enough at a young age, they retired uh, or went on to some other thing because they wanted to spend time with their 10, 11, 12 year old kids. Uh, and they knew that everyone around them wasn't. Um, David Weckworth uh, tells a, a story. David's a great guy, a quality control guy, uh, tells a story about a single change that he made when he was a PCO one time. He, he visited the job site on a Saturday and all of the GC staff were there. Uh, all the field staff and the office staff. And he asked the superintendent, why are you here today? There are no trade contractors here. He said, we're working on on time cards. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, we, we have to do, the, the office requires that we do time cards by hand. And so we collect them at the end of the week. And then we have to go in and fill out all these forms by hand. And, and, we, and so it, it, it takes like most of the day and we all chip in and do it. So, and he said, well, why don't you just, let's just go electronic. He said, they won't let us. He said, let me, let me see if I can change it. He went in, he talked to the right people. He said the right things. He got a one-off, he got a gimme. Uh, and they did digital electronic time cards. And he went back and visited that guy a couple of months later. And the guy said, I gotta tell you something. You gave me my 10 year old son back. My 10 year old son plays baseball on Saturdays. And I was never able to go to his games or to coach him because I was here at the job site filling out time cards. I now not only am going to his games, I volunteered as an assistant coach. I was too late to the game to make it full coach. And and I, I've got a relationship with my 10-year-old son that I never had. That 10-year-old kid his life was changed by a simple little process like that. And it's like that all over the place. And and that's just like a crystal clear example of how we get our lives back. We need a balance in life. Do you realize that, that suicide among construction, the construction family, suicide is, is one of the top occupations. I mean, construction is one of the top highest occupations with suicide rates. And after the pandemic, I mean, we're all suffering after the pandemic. The mental health of our of our of ourselves and of, of our colleagues and of our friends and family, everybody's gotten smacked by this. Uh, and some of us are recovering a little faster than others, but some aren't. And we we've got to be aware of that. We've got to help each other and nurture each other. 
but that that's part of it is that you have to have time away. You have to have time with family. The family needs to be able to reconnect and reheal. Yep. No, I, I, I completely agree. We've, we've spoken to a, a lot of people that it's encouraging to see are at the forefront of work-life balance and, and mental health. And, and in fact, Dan Shakespeare, shout out to J Dan Shakespeare was, was on the podcast and he brought his experience in the military and yeah. PTSI and PTSD to, to a place where it was converted to, to have those conversations with construction professionals, which is just very interesting and, and so important. Um, I wanted to take a step back and yeah. and we we talked about the the lower percentage of of work being done in a, a lean way or in a lean methodology or or some aspect of yeah. of eliminating waste. Um, what I've seen is a, a large separation of those advertising. Uh, a lean, lean mentality, a lean construction mentality, being you know a, a lean company as a whole, right? Our whole yeah. GC is we're lean. Right. We care about that. How many jobs they do, and then the disparity between what we see actually being done and yeah. what's being marketed. So, yeah. where do you see is the money to be made right now? Because like what we said before. Right. Everybody agrees that it's the best way to do things. It's whether yeah. or not we're going to do it. So I just wanted to talk about kind of what you see in the marketplace as a whole when it yeah. comes to your your market brand identity and your your action. Right. Well, there's there's a thing called Hollywood lean. And that's what you're describing. You know, the Hollywood set, it just has the front of the building. It, you open the door and there's just nothing but wood structure behind. I mean, you know, stakes behind it, holding up the front right. of the building. And and there are uh, more than a few uh, companies that there is it, it's not uh, rare for companies to say that they're they they're involved in lean construction and 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 they tout their LCI membership and other things like that. Um, and, and I I think the challenge there is is just to challenge them to to live up to it. Uh, I mean the marketing always gets ahead of uh, of operations, right? Uh, I mean, that's that's I used to work for a company. Well, that's every company. Yeah. <laughs> that's every company. I used to work for a company that, that manufactured uh, uh, material handling equipment, uh, and they were very brilliant at it. Uh, and and but they had salesmen that would go out to these big companies and big warehouses and stuff, and and the 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 client would say, "So we need to this 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 and this. Do you do that?" And we we didn't do that. Never done it before. I had no idea how to do it. And the salesman would say, "Yes, we do that." And he would come back. <laughs> At the time, I was I was running the uh, the proposals department in addition to the project management department, and and he would say, "Okay, this is what we got to figure out." And so our, we'd get our engineers together, and we'd figure it out. We always did, uh, but uh, we get ahead of ourselves with marketing because that's kind of what marketing is: is to not just tell about the best we do, but what we could do. But the the challenge is, why not? I mean, seriously, I, I, one of our clients said uh, that the VP, smart man, respect him. And he was the lean advocate on the executive committee. 
Uh, and, uh, and he said, we want to become a company that welcomes change because we know our clients want to change things all the way through, certainly in hospitals because technology changes, but even in just regular old office buildings, people want to change something. If it's residential, they want to, you know, the market is changing. So you got to change up this thing or that thing. There's a new feature that's now hot and we're about to go on, on the market. So he said, instead of bellyaching about change, let's figure out a way that we can develop processes that, that accept change and we just work them in to our pull plan and work them into our, our system and, and, and become that kind of company. That's a great aspiration. And that's from the top. Uh, there are there are ways that we can market better skills by being more lean, you know, by being able to 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 do set based design so that design doesn't have to be done over and over and over and over. Because every time we do it, we price it and it's too expensive. So we're going to go cut some stuff out. That's folly. That's really silly. And it discourages design innovation, it discourages designers, period, to have to redo things over and over. So th there are so many benefits, marketing benefits to lean that translate into customer benefits, value for the customer, for the end user. There's so many of those. Uh, and, and again, we have the reasons we've talked about why people don't do it, but uh, I, I, I stipulate, I'll stipulate this, Noah, that if you're in charge of a construction company, it is a business and it is a it is a tough business and there is something, there's a lot at risk. It's like putting all your chips on the table all the time, almost. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a genuinely risky business. One bad project can offset 20 good projects. It's a tough business. So you have to have a business mind about that. Uh, and and I, I'll stipulate to that, but there is a business case to be made for this. And I think, I think a, a doggone decent one, uh, and a whole lot of companies have figured that out. And the more that do, I think will prosper increasingly. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up you bring up a great point. Just hearing you talk about that is in in chaotic environments. I don't want to say volatile environments, but like you said, it's it's Sometimes. going all in almost every every decision you make, right? Yeah. And every project you bid or everything that you do. And I think, and and tell me if you agree with this, that also lends to the, an even larger fear of change, right? Sure. A, a massive, massive elephant in the room. If, if you've been a Marine your entire life, you've been doing it a certain way and you haven't been shot yet. Right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'm going to like change things because yeah. no. if it doesn't work, it, I, I'm here now and I've made it this far. So, I guess my question to you is what we hear a lot of the time is that this is not only a change, right? To go yeah. from a command and control environment to absolutely, let's say, running a, a LPS or, or running yeah. some type of a lean project. What, what would be your advice to an individual or a company saying, how can we meet them where we are? How can we ch make this change more approachable? How can we make it less scary? And what what parts, if if we don't have the bandwidth to implement everything, what what is the lowest hanging fruit to result in ROI and a positive outcome yeah. when it comes to the mental state of our employees, whatever that initiative is? What would right. you say kind of 
is that is that less fearful adoption of a process like this? The, the good news is you don't have to do it all at once. The good news is you can just start somewhere because there's the principle of compounding interest. When you're 25 years old, if you save $100 a month, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're my age, way before you're my age. Interest compounds day by day, month by month, whatever the cycle is that the bank is going to give you. But interest compounds and, and you make money on the money on the money. And it's the same thing with continuous improvement. And that's what lean is all about, is, is changing one little thing every day and making a little bit better. Change the thing that bugs you, Paul Akers says. Find something that bugs you and fix it. And then tell your friends, tell your colleagues, here's what, how's how I fixed this. Uh, and, and maybe that becomes an, another standard process. You just have to start and change a little, and that will build the momentum for doing more and more. And over time, that compounding interest will make that operation, whether it's the, the project, the, the program, or the company itself, or the organization itself, that will, that will make the difference over the years. But it's, it's, it's got to be the, the growth of continuous improvement. It can't just be, let's do one thing, let's do this lean thing, and that's going to solve it. No. And we don't have to do all the lean things. You can't. You can't start that way. Uh, Steve Martin had a, a funny line one time. He's an old comedian from Saturday Night Live and movies. Steve Martin said, I'm going to tell you how to make a million dollars and pay no taxes. That's right. I'm going to tell you how to make a million dollars and pay no taxes. Here's how. Two steps. First, get a million dollars. <laughs> Second, when the IRS comes to your door and says you owe us taxes, you say, I forgot. I mean, it was a stupid, stupid thing. But it's it's kind of the way people think you have to approach lean is you have to do this big, hard thing all of a sudden. You have to change. You have to turn the oil tanker in the middle of the ocean hard right. left or hard right. Uh, and and you don't. You just got to start. You just got to do one thing better. Do 5S. Clean up the, the job site. You know, uh, sort, shine, you know, all that. It, clean up the job site. Clean up your office. Start with your desk for crying out loud. Uh, you know, start with, start with your own home. Uh, you know, that's a start. Uh, and and the last planner system, uh, planning, it, it has such huge benefits. I, I've literally helped a company, uh, a project rather, uh, double their productivity in six weeks. This was a big project. Double it in six weeks using a last planner. Uh, this was a project in Stockton, California. California Prison Healthcare it was that, that one million, billion dollar project that came out of that Sacramento experience I mentioned. They were doing a million and a half a day work in place, a million and a half a day. That's a lot. But they realized that because this was an 18 month design build project, they had to they had to double their productivity in six weeks or they wouldn't make the schedule. And they were using two full time schedulers, a full P6 and a SIPS, a short interval production schedule in Excel, that waterfall type schedule in Excel. They were using all of that and they had great trade contractors and they they were maxed out at a million five a day. Um, they brought in the last planner system. We, we pull planned, 
with the trades doing all of all of the and this was stickies this was not electronic yet because it sometimes starting out touching things helps it focuses the people on on the, the work and not learning a software to begin with sometimes that helps and and they 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 put the stickies on the wall and then they put it in into electronic uh, and follow it from there and i promise you and i'll give you the name of the guy who can back me up on this who was in charge of that project mike rigger they went from a million and a half a day to $3 million a day work in place in six weeks because of Last Planner. It wasn't magic, it was process. It was taking the waste out of it. It was getting elegant handoffs. It was communication among all the trades and among the general contractor folks in the trades. It, it's just, it's science more than anything. Well, I hope you know that I will be stealing the term elegant handoffs from you from now on. Got it. Um, so you mentioned something and and I would be remorse to to not talk about it because before you mentioned it, I was I was literally thinking it is when you work for any construction technology, there's always a process, maybe a, a standard operating process that has mm -hmm. to be implemented. There has to be maybe, a, you know, a thought process in the company, yeah. a cultural process implemented. I truly believe that something like TouchPlan, and we don't, we don't have to talk about it at all, but something like a technology, we're supplying an, an enablement tool to, to yes. get the most amount of benefits out of a process change. Yeah. Now, what we've run into a lot and, and what we've tried to do when we address the market is, like you said, make one small change, let us meet you where you are, yeah. and then help you grow, right? And help, help that journey. Yeah. In, in your experience, is that just another way to kind of lean back on not wanting to change? Well, well, I gotta, I gotta educate every single one of my employees in my yeah. $4.3 billion company, the yeah. ins and outs of lean before this could make any possible sense, yeah. right? And what yeah. is your experience with that and some benefits or some, some failures that you saw? Uh, you, you, very accurate description of the dilemma when someone begins to approach, do I use uh, an enabling software like TouchPlan or, or many of the others that, that uh, I have experience with? Uh, they're really good solutions because they really save a lot of time and effort. They're, they take a lot of waste out of processes. I used to be that guy that didn't believe in electronics. Uh, you know, except for maybe Excel and Word. Um, I, I am no longer that guy. I have learned also <laughs> that, and the software's gotten better. Uh, you know, TouchPlan's got some elegant software. There's a number of companies that have some, some damn good software out there. Uh, and it's not that hard to learn. It's also gotten easier. You, I, there were, there were when I first started doing software, uh, learning software, it would take me three days to learn a program. Now it takes me like, you know, an hour. Uh, and maybe and maybe two minutes if it's an app. Right. Um, and uh, and and so it's it it's all easier now. We've gotten smart about this stuff. Uh, I think it's I think it's appropriate to step into it the same way. This that continuous improvement cycle. That's that that you know compounding interest thing. Bite off a, a little bite of it. Get a couple of people doing it. Uh, you know, collaborate with with the trades. Uh, and and show them how to you know with touch with with touch you can move things around it's not that big of a deal uh, give them a little backup if you want to I used to handwrite the stickies for a trade 
who was reluctant to, and oh, this is too much trouble. All right, fine. I got two hands. I'll help you. I'll write half your tags. I mean, whatever it takes to do that electronically to, to just get them started. I agree with you that there are so many ways to slip into this and just kind of just slip into it uh, and, and not make it a whole big deal. And you got to redo everything. You don't have to redo everything. Start where you are uh, and, and just move forward from there. Just makes sense. And it's it's an interesting um, double-edged sword where we see a lot of the reluctant people to change, right? Reluctant to something like, let's say, Last Planner, let's say any just pull plan in general, is the administrative load that it holds to get the benefits of yeah. that continuous learning, right? There's there's a heck of a lot that goes into it, and what I find kind of ironic is. Well, we have to learn all those hardships before we jump into a digital technology that will make all those hardships easier for us. It's like you don't necessarily don't have so, to yeah. go through the fire to know that it's mm-hmm. hot, right? Where we can we can enable those processes. But I I do find, and I'd love to hear your your kind of uh, two cents on it. That most importantly, there is a an the first step in my eyes is a, a buy-in of the methodology and the buy-in of the benefits because it's going to take you a little while to see those benefits, right? Yeah. And if we don't at least have leadership mentally bought in to whatever it may be that they believe will result in this, yeah. it never – any nothing. You could offer them free – free lottery tickets, right? Everybody gets a winning lottery ticket and they still wouldn't do it because that that buy-in's not there. Do yeah. you see that that cultural or mental I would say change? That, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. I would say that's not the first step buy-in. I would say the first step is recognizing that you're not perfect. That there might be something you could change that would make your life better. That would be my first step. And then the second step would be to look at that you know, to investigate it and 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 do that buy-in you're talking about. But I think I think first recognition, that's the old uh, you know, that's the Alcoholics Anonymous, any 12-step programs, the first thing you have to recognize is that you're a drunk, you know. So you know, construction folks, first thing you have to recognize is that you're you're wasting a lot of time of your own and a lot of the the boss's money. Uh, you know, let, let's start with some recognition here. But yes, the 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 solutions uh, are are relatively easy to get into. They're not that tough, and and uh, some really great software minds and uh, have evolved uh, to make it easy for us to learn it as well. Um, all we got to do is be motivated to do it. So that's where the recognition comes in. But yeah, take take a step, just and and start with. I never use the word pilot project. Start with a demonstration project. If you're if this is all completely new, start with one project. And that, that has all the right elements of people in it who are going to be open to that uh, and, and do a demonstration to demonstrate to yourself and your company that this is something that can work well. Uh, and then do a second and then a third. And pretty soon you're rolling it out. Uh, that's a that's a good way to introduce these things. But in the meantime, the people that are not picking up on this particular thing because it's software uh, enabled uh, can go over and they can do 5S and clean up their job site and they can be doing some lean stuff over there even if they're not using TouchPlan. You know, uh, about a year ago, I was talking to uh, to one of uh, TouchPlan's uh, VPs, and 
I learned something that was really interesting to me. He said, touch plans users, you have a lot of them, touch plans users, about half of them know last planner system and about half of them just use it because it's a really great piece of software for scheduling. And that was a, that was a surprise to me, maybe not a shock, but it was a surprise. And what I realized when I was told that is that everybody who's using that software is getting value out of it or they wouldn't keep using it. But if you're not using it with the last planner system, you're not getting full value out of it because the processes that Glenn Ballard and Greg Howland and everybody since then have helped to evolve in this are so powerful that they'll take a great piece of software and make it incredible. The, the processes combined with the software make things really, really great. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and we, we see the same thing. It's true in, in any practice, right? If, if you're yes. training for a marathon, you yeah. don't even think you could run a 5K, you run a 5K, you feel great, you can run a 10K. You run a 10K, all of a sudden you're running the Boston Marathon, which yeah. is one of, in terms of technology in general, is what I love about that is once you approach it and the technology is designed in a way where it will meet you where you are, yes. you can use it to accelerate that hockey stick of the learning curve, yeah. um, which, you know, I'll stop you know, preaching about software, but, um, so while, while we, we have you, um, you know, other than, you know, you've devoted a ton of your professional career about, uh, eliminating waste and you've yeah. seen this industry grow for years and years and years. Um, I'm always interested to see what you see as the, the next step for the industry in the next five, 10 years, the, the, the next big change and the thing that is kind of inhibiting the, the industry the most right now to, to be more, you know, to be better, I guess. Is it, sure. is it that like you talked about the, the lack of skilled labor or is it, is it just the focus on waste? Where do you see this going in five, 10 years? Uh, well, in, in terms of five or 10 years, and it's really hard to prognosticate because of Moore's law uh, and, and, the, and the increasing rapidity with which everything is, is changing and the world circumstances may flip on us. I mean, who, who knew about pandemics or about the invasion of Ukraine? Who knew about that? I mean, nobody you know, predicted this. Well, actually, people did predict it, but nobody, right. most of us didn't listen. Uh, we always but, know it's coming. We, we, somebody always knows it. But uh, th there are there are some game changers happening. One one of the things is this: uh, there was a time in the late seventies, early eighties. I'm sorry, late eighties, early nineties. That's that's what happens when you get my age. You, you mix decades. Um, when there were maybe a hundred different CPM software brands available, uh, I I shopped maybe ten of them. Uh, and and tried maybe seven of them, uh, and and every guy, every engineer, or software guy who had a garage would go out and program because that was like the rage right then. But the the two that pulled out pulled ahead were Microsoft Project because it's Microsoft, and and Primavera, uh, you know, software period because it's Primavera and then became Oracle. I mean, they had the money, they had and and they captured the market. But there was a time when there was 100 of them. Similarly, there are lots of project management softwares and add-ons and bolt-ons and this thing and that thing. And it's great because that's where innovation 
That's the beauty of this Silicon Valley-like innovation uh, in in the software business and, and in the in the digital business. Uh, there there's going to come a time when the integrators really pull it together because right now it's just it's still a tower of Babel. You got to use this piece of software for that and this piece of software for that. This piece of software for that. We we did a uh, a Kaizen event, a rapid improvement event for a, a, one of our favorite clients. Uh, we did a series of them, but in this particular one, they realized that their uh, project engineers were spending most of their time on RFI documentation. Whatever project it was, all their projects, they were wasting their time on documentation. We pulled them together and we said, okay, let's 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 process map this. Do you realize they were using seven different pieces of software for a single RFI? They would enter information seven different times to meet all of the conditions that the company had set up as the process to process an RFI, which is totally silly. So they realized that we got to back off of this. Similarly, there's all these different pieces of software out there and we and integration is is where it's headed. We're going to integrate BIM, IoT. We're going to uh, you know planning and and project management and 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 even across owners, designers, and, and constructors. There's there's a need to you know pull plannerly in that the designers are using because it interfa- it can interface well with something else. There's yep. there's a need for that, and I think that's happened in the next five to ten years. The other thing that's that's likely to happen in the next five to 10 years is that we will start to figure out the uh, solutions, better solutions, we've already started figuring out, uh, to the lack of skilled labor. Uh, part of it is an image problem. Uh, part of it is that people are working too many hours and they say, I don't want that crappy job. It means I have to work 70 hours and I don't get to see my kids. And uh, part of it is that we can do a lot more offsite prefabrication and preassembly. We can become a lot more, more like manufacturing and do things in a, a less expensive, more rapid, more higher quality way and plug and play. We can do a lot of that. Uh, and I mean, th- all of this combination of things, uh, 3D printing, uh, there's some amazing 3D printing going on. Uh, and whole and so, huh? whole buildings. Yeah, whole buildings. No, I mean, weird. This is an exciting business. It's an exciting time. It may be the most exciting time to be in design and construction because it's on the cusp of some really seriously fun things that are going to be happening. And the need for our services is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the world needs infrastructure, housing, uh, you know, climate change technology, you know, uh, green technology. Uh, there are countries that need entire buildings. Uh, there are, I mean, we just have a great opportunity and the need is so great, the better we are at, at maximizing value and minimizing waste, how much better are we gonna feel about the work we do? Yep. Well. I mean, I couldn't imagine a better way to end it right there um, with the with the outlook um, of the industry. I completely agree. I think the simple idea of the collective waste yeah. is so powerful to think yeah. about in one country and then around the world. You yeah. know, what what are we doing <laughs> yeah. and how do we fix this? But I want to thank you for for jumping on. It's been an absolute blast. I hope we can continue and and just have these chats, whether we record them and broadcast them to the world or not. Um, but 
Dan, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it's well, been fun to talk to. No, you're, you're easy to talk to. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but um, I'm glad that you do. Thank you so much. And, and we'll talk soon. You got hey, it. Ben, how are you? All the best.